In the holy name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? This is the question that the disciples of John the Baptist posed to Jesus, and it's a rather interesting question for them to ask Jesus within the Lucan narrative, given the experiences John has had up to this point. For example, Luke tells the story of Mary's visit to her cousin Elizabeth. You might recall that upon hearing the voice of Mary, the child in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist, leapt for joy. Then Elizabeth describes Mary as the mother of my Lord. Whether or not this encounter occurred historically is one question that scholars argue about, but if we set aside the question of historicity and consider this from the viewpoint of the narrative, clearly Elizabeth believed that the babe in Mary's womb would be the Messiah. Could we not then presume that Elizabeth would have told John about such an important encounter throughout his childhood and into his adulthood? Then, of course, we have John's baptism of Jesus in the Jordan. John speaks of the one who is to come after him as the one who is more powerful than I. He also witnesses the descent of the Holy Spirit on Jesus in the form of a dove, and the voice from heaven declaring, you are my beloved, my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. With these encounters, wouldn't John have assurance that Jesus is the Messiah, the one that they seek? And yet we see that he sends a couple of his disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? Even with these portents, John and his disciples still wonder if Jesus is the Messiah, if he is the one that they have been waiting for. But let's not give John and his disciples too hard of a time. After all, Jesus' own disciples were often clueless about who he was in their midst. I mean, they were with him day in and day out for three-plus years. They saw with their own eyes the many miracles he performed. They heard his preaching and teaching with their own ears. They even performed miracles themselves in the power of his name. Yet they also wondered and had their doubts. The human mind is very adaptable. What begins as a shock can soon become commonplace. What begins as a paradigm-shifting event soon becomes the new paradigm. Look at how we have adjusted to the new normal of COVID. You might recall back in the mists of time when the pandemic began, how radical everything felt. How on earth could we wear a mask all the time? How on earth could we social distance? How could we do the many things we simply had to do? But we did, we adjusted. We might not have liked it or like it now, but we did it. Human beings can adjust to the most shocking things such that they can become almost mundane. Listen to Jesus' reply to John's disciples. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, 
the poor have good news brought to them. Now, seriously? If any one of these things were to happen to you, wouldn't that blow your mind? Again, let's not worry so much about the historicity and legitimate questions about whether the blind could actually receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers cleanse, the deaf hear, and especially the dead be raised. Instead, let's suspend our disbelief for a moment and accept that these miraculous deeds could be performed. Even still, they would be something to behold. And yet, Jesus rattles them off almost like a grocery list. Oh yes, don't forget to buy rice, potatoes, carrots, and some milk. And by the way, don't be surprised if you see the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers cleanse, the deaf hear, and the dead raised while you happen to be on your way to the market. I mean, ho-hum, just another day with Jesus, right? <laughs> so what's going on here? Is, is Jesus listing these miracles just to show that he's a wonder worker, that he has the power of God at his command? Well, if we were reading this account in the Gospel according to John, for example, that might be the conclusion we could make. As you recall from your New Testament classes, John includes signs to show Jesus' identity as the Logos. But we are reading this in Luke, not John. What is Luke's main theological thread? He's most concerned with the outcasts, isn't he? After all, this is the gospel where the shepherds come to visit the babe in the manger, not the wise men, as in Matthew. This is the gospel in which the poor, the oppressed, the outcasts of society have center stage. So when we read this list of miracles, the point for Luke is not that Jesus was able to perform them, but rather with whom he performed them. Luke is far more interested in the people who came to Jesus than the acts that Jesus accomplished. And in the cultural milieu of Jesus' day, to associate with the blind, the lame, lepers, deaf, and the dead was to make oneself ritually unclean and therefore to cut off access to God. In other words, Jesus is telling John's disciples, don't look at what I'm doing, but rather look at with whom I'm doing it. In today's parlance, we could hear Christ say, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The homeless receive shelter, the immigrant citizenship, the addicted treatment, and the oppressed liberation. The more I spend time with the Gospel according to Luke, the more I love it. Of course, Luke was a master storyteller, but he also emphasized the people around Jesus as much as Jesus himself. Luke recognized this radical element of the Gospel. The other Gospel writers provide important theological insights into the life of Christ, which is why the Church was wise to canonize more than one Gospel narrative. But Luke has a special word to say to us in this country currently. What are we more concerned about? Are we more concerned about what we do, about our accomplishments, about our own works of wonder? Or are we concerned about with whom we do it, our relationships, the people we touch? 
Part of seminary is accomplishment. That is simply how seminary works. You have papers to write, exams to take, and projects to complete. As faculty, we have classes to teach, homework to grade, and books to write. These are tasks that must be completed. But could we model ourselves after the Jesus of Luke and ask ourselves the more important question than, what have I accomplished? But rather, with whom have I done it? Luke is telling us, don't worry about your accomplishments. Instead, focus on your relationships. Amen.